Welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold two spots, one in Romans chapter 12, and then our key passage for today's study is gonna be from 1 Thessalonians chapter two. If you're joining us for the first time, we are in part five of a series called Love Strong. And the basic message has been this, all right? Strength is synonymous with confidence, right? Every man I know likes to feel strong in the financial dimension of his life, uh, maybe in the uh, relational dimension uh, uh, of his life, for sure, in the spiritual dimension. We want to feel strong. When you feel strong, you feel confident. But we've been really looking at being relationally confident and strong. And you can't be relationally confident and strong unless you love strong. In fact, you can't do uh, relationships and life right unless you know how to love strong. And so we've been looking at the topic, and today, just to kind of get us going in the right direction, I want to talk about how loving strong should be the best thing that we do. Uh, in fact, it's supposed to be a high watermark and a sign that you actually know God, right? But sometimes what is expected is not delivered. And that confuses people and that makes them cynical. You know, let me just give you a good example from life, right? Online shopping. Have you ever purchased something online thinking, oh my gosh, this is so fast. This is so convenient. I'm going to get my heart's desire delivered to the porch, like in a day or two. And then it comes and you open up the box and what you expected isn't delivered. The, the shirt shirt's cut wrong. It's not what you thought it was going to be. It's cheaply made. The video was a sham. That's happened to me a couple of times. What I expected was not what was delivered. Now, here's the connection. The Bible says that when it comes to our ability to love strong, that the experience of God's man with God's love is so transformational, right? That we can make the claim of being a Christian because a Christian is the one loved by God. And there's an expectation on the part of others in our life that if we've experienced the love of God in Christ and we claim that we know him, then our love is expected to be real, uh, be sincere, and be authentic. Otherwise, the best thing that we have to give actually becomes the worst thing to people who are looking at us and seeing our claim of knowing and loving God, but then how they feel with respect to how we treat them and how we love them, there's a disconnect and it creates confusion, sometimes resentment, and sometimes it takes away their desire to even seek or want to know God because of the way we love them. And that's not what we want, which is why in parts one through four, we've really pounded it home that, that this idea of if we don't do relationships right, we're not doing God right. If we don't do relationships right, we're not doing life right because relationships with God and people are the meaning of life. 
And here's another aspect to this. You know, a lot of times we might say the right things or even do the loving thing, but listen, our heart, but our heart is disconnected, right, from our words and our actions. And that that's what people can see past, that's where people can see past maybe what we say or maybe even what we do. And they're looking past um, those words or actions and going, yeah, but you don't, you don't really mean it. And it, it's just a sense. It's, it's a tone. It's a body language. It's a, we're not really loving. We're doing and saying the right things, but we really don't mean it. And we don't want that either, right? And so just like we have buyer's remorse, right, when we purchase things online and we don't get delivered what we expected, when God's man claims to know Jesus, but his words and ways, right, people leave people feeling unloved or worst, you know, ambivalent or cynical, right, about their actions, something's wrong there. And so in today's final study, uh, here's what I want you to know, and this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, love must be sincere, right? People must sense integrity and sincerity when we say and do things uh, that, that show love. And so here's what we're going to do. Here's the trajectory of today's final session. Let's get God's mind on how he evaluates our actions, right? Secondly, now let's apply that to how God's evaluating how we love people. And then let's look at how people evaluate loving actions, how they see and sense genuine love, okay? Versus how we might feel it's coming across. And then we'll just get to the bottom line of loving others as God's man. So let's look on your downloaded notes. Uh, by the way, if you don't have those, there's a little button on, on our website that just says download notes. You can print them out and follow along and the scriptures and the fill-ins are right there. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever noticed there's how we live out our faith and how we uh, self-evaluate how we're living out our faith and how we feel spiritually about ourselves, okay? Then there's how God <laughs> evaluates us, right? And the only standard that we should be concerning ourselves with is not how I feel I'm doing spiritually, how I feel I'm doing relationally, how I feel I'm loving others. I need to use God's standard of evaluation because that's the only one that's going to matter in the end anyway. And if you're like me, you kind of give yourself probably better marks uh, you, you're generous, right, with your own self-evaluation. But let's look at what God evaluates, and then we'll see uh, how he does it, all right? Talks about this. I want to look at two passages from God's word and draw two very simple conclusions. The first passage is from Proverbs 16. It says this, We can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed, okay? Here's the second passage and then we'll make a couple conclusions. 
It's from 1 Corinthians 4. It says this, Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. And so what we've just read is how God evaluates you and I. There's what we say and there's what we do, okay? There's the what. But God's more interested in the why we do versus the what we do, right? In both passages, it says the Lord examines their motives. And then in the second passage in Corinthians, it says he will expose, he will bring to light the why we do what we do. And if that is does not sober you, I don't think anything will. So there's us, we're moving along, we're, we're, we're doing relationships, we're doing life, um, we're taking actions, we're saying words, and we're doing things in relationships, okay? That's fine, that's what people sense and see, but then there's why we're doing them. And what's the reasoning behind we're doing them? And very clearly, in this passage, there's a compare and con contrast in terms of how we weigh and measure our actions, all right? Man weighs the actions. Write that down. Man weighs actions, okay? God weighs intentions. Big difference, okay? Because you can fool people but you can't fool God, right? You can hide your motives from people, but you can't hide your motives from God. And that's very sobering and should turn up your level of how you love and why you do what you do. That there needs to be congruence between what you do and why you do it, okay? Because God sees past your words. God sees past the outside action. God sees past the behavior right directly. And your motives are in 5K before him. They're very clear. They're very evident. He can see your motives for why you do what you do very clearly. Now, when it comes to relationships, this is really important. How you love others in your life is under the same evaluation by God, right? Look at what um, it says in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. You see the compare contrast. There's there's pretending, right? And then there's actually loving. And if if you've lived any amount of time and if you've been in relationships, you know that this is a very real possibility where someone can be pretending while they're planning a breakup. They can be pretending while they're having an affair. They can be pretending, but inside, they're not genuinely excited about you or they might, they might be winning an Academy Award. 
And what I love about this passage from Romans is that it's in the imperative. Don't be a pretender, right? Really love people. Doesn't matter if it's, it's your wife or your kids or a friend or a neighbor or a coworker or a complete stranger. When you take action for the sake of another person, right? Don't be a pretender, right? Because pretenders usually end up manipulating or doing things for selfish reasons. And in the end, people feel used, right? Instead, there is a premium on genuine affection, right? That's the real thing. There's pretend affection and there's genuine affection. What does it look like? It looks like something that's real in you. You're, you take delight in honoring other people. When people are with you, when they're in your presence, because you're loved by God and you're filled up, you actually are free now to take delight in other people versus what? Be self-absorbed, right? And just pretend, you know, to be loving or pretend to say the right, the right things. In relationships, we say people are fake, right? They say the right things, but they really don't, um, they really don't feel it on the inside. They're not genuine. Um, and so there's part one. There's how God evaluates our actions. And when it comes to relationships, he really wants us to be motivated on the inside in a genuine way. So that's how God discerns what I call synthetic, which is fake, versus authentic love. So that's how God evaluates us. But people in our lives, they're not like God, right? They're not omnipresent. Uh, they're not omniscient. They can't see through the outsides of people into the human heart, which the Bible says God looks at the heart. People that we're in relationship with can't do that, right? So how do others see and sense that our love is authentic versus synthetic, right? So what we're gonna talk about next is just four signs of authentic love that communicate to the people in your life that you do really care, that you do have genuine affection and that you do take delight in honoring and loving them. Our core passage, we're just gonna walk right through, is from 1 Thessalonians 2. Let's read that and then we'll unpack it. It says this, you yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. You know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. So you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery for we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. And so in that passage, you have the Apostle Paul, and he loves these Thessalonian believers. And there's an integrity that needs to be established, that Paul wants to be credible in his actions. And so what he's laying out is four things 
that, that communicate to the Thessalonians that he's the real deal and that he really does care about him. And the first sign of authentic love he points to is this. Authentic love proves itself to others through suffering, right? Look at what he says there uh, in the first couple of verses. He says, you yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. You know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. So here's, the, here's these, these believers, these, these Thessalonian believers, and Paul wants to establish that, you know what, we really care about you. And to get to you, to relate to you, to love you, we had to, we had to suffer, okay, uh, at Philippi. We had to get through Philippi and, and suffer there in order to get to you. It sort of reminds me of a, a song I first heard in junior high. A lot of you will know it. it it's by the group Foreigner. And... It feels like the first time. And it's talking about a guy who loves a gal. And he's trying to communicate to her uh, that uh, he really does, his, that his love is sincere. And he says, I would climb any mountain. Come on, you can join in. I would sail across the stormy sea if that's what it takes me, baby, to show you how much it means to me. So, you know, I would suffer the highest mountain, and hiking up and exhausting myself, the highest mountain. I'd sail across at my own peril the stormy sea, right? I would risk my life <laughs> if that's what it takes to show you that I care, that I show you what you mean to me. And that's essentially what Paul is saying uh, to these people, right? He's saying that the price we pay assigns value um, where the Thessalonians would read that perhaps and go, hmm, he would do that for us. And you see, that's such a good mirror of how we think about Jesus and the suffering that he went through for us. We couldn't, we can't look into Jesus's heart and read it, but authentic love proves itself to us by how he suffered. And in your relationships, um, that model is the model. Um, what price are you willing to pay to love people, right? What mountain are you willing to climb? What storm are you willing to endure to let others in your life know? Man, I love you. Um, that will show them right away. Um, okay, I can trust that. I can't. I don't know why. I don't know his motive, but I see what he's doing. And the first sign of authentic love is that, that proves itself to others is suffering. Now let's go to the second sign. The second sign of authentic love is authentic love shows itself to others through courage, right? A little similar. There's suffering. And then there's that decision where someone says, okay, there's people and I, I'm i going to pay a price, but I, 
I got to overcome my fear of that price and I got to be courageous. I got to courageously love right now. It reminds me of going to um, the southernmost state in Mexico. I live in California and um, I was an ambassador for a group called Open Doors, which goes to persecuted believers. Those are believers who suffer for believing. And there's a people group, the Tzotzil Indians, and they're in, in Chiapas, up in the mountains. And many of them have, have come to Christ. And I was standing with a Tzotzil pastor, and he was telling me about how the local warlords don't like people becoming Christians because then they don't have to do all the celebrations and pay the local warlords for all the accessories, for all the local celebrations, and it ruins their cash flow. So those warlords kill pastors, right? But here he is in the middle of that cultural dynamic. There's people who hate him, but with courage. He's got this shack, and there's there's 30 people in it, and there's his pig, and there's his three kids, and man, they know that this man loves them because he's being courageous. Look at what um, the Bible says here. It's just the next verse. It's, it's verse 2b from the Thessalonian passage. So there's Paul. He's talking to these people. He's like, we really care about you. Well, how do they know? It says, yet our God gave us courage to declare the good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. Now, here's how opposition works with weak love and care. It deters it. It makes weak convictions and weak love put the car in reverse. And that's how you know that they don't... A person doesn't really feel as strong as maybe they claim to feel about you. About when they get a little opposition or they hit a bump in the road or maybe there's just a conflict, right? Opposition deters weak convictions. But opposition cannot stop strong love and strong convictions. And we see that in Jesus. We see it in, in the Garden of Gethsemane where he's just battling uh, thinking about going to the cross, he's thinking about what's going to happen. He's encountering God's will for his life and that he, what he has to do to love us and have a relationship with us. And he's saying, God, do you have a plan B? Yet not my will, but your will be done. And then he resolves courageously because he can now hear the footsteps of the Roman soldiers coming uh, with... The, the Jews who want him dead. And this is what he says to the guys around him. Matthew 26, 46, he says, Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Wow, that's strong love. A love so strong that it will run to a death, the worst death any man could ever die because of love for us. 
And that's why we love Jesus. We love him because he laid down his life for us. We love him because he says, rise, let us go. He suffers, he's courageous. And that communicates to us that his love is authentic. Courage in the face of opposition communicates to others in your life, you know what, doesn't matter. Um, I love you. And whatever opposition comes against me, my love for you is stronger than that opposition. Right? So that's the second sign. The first sign is authentic love proves itself to others through suffering. Second sign is authentic love uh, shows itself to others through courage. All right, let's look at the third sign. Authentic love validates itself to others through truth and honesty, right? We have the, 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 the truth factor and the honest factor going, right? So if you go down to the next verse, verse 3 in the Thessalonians passage, it says this. So you can see we were not preaching, listen to what he says, with any deceit or impure motives or trickery, right? I don't know if uh, you're familiar with the term bait and switch. Most guys are. It means that someone's, uh, someone's manipulating you into making a choice and they're doing it to get something from you, right? And that's essentially what Paul is saying in this passage uh, to the people that he cares about. He's like, hey, we suffered, God gave us courage, and there's no deceit, there's no impure motives, there's no bait and switch. Uh, and that should communicate to you the integrity of our message and the integrity of our love for you, right? No bait, so there can't be a switch, right? But now there should be a switch just in how you think about us, since there's no bait, right? And we're not doing uh, a selfish switch on you to get something from you or manipulate you. Um, there should be a switch in how you think about us, right? And what do people see? What, what do the Thessalonians see in Paul? Well, it talks about what they, what they see in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, says this. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk, right? So what do we see here? We see when you are loving strong and you are taking steps, People, if you're in truth and you're honest and your motives are right, they're going to see a pure heart. They're going to see a good conscience and a sincere faith, right? Versus, uh, versus a synthetic faith. They're going to see an authentic faith. They're going to see your conscience. They're actually going to see your insides work their way to your outsides. That's what truth and honesty do with people. I remember being on campus in college and I was, I, I had a conversation with a gal who lived on my floor in the dorm, but we weren't in the dorm. We were at like an eatery on campus. We bumped into each other between classes. Hey, what's going on? And, 
And I felt like the Lord just opened a door to share my testimony. And uh, I remember saying, you know, her name was Janet. I said, you know, Janet, the only reason I'm sharing with this with you is because I love you. And I care about you, and I want you to go to heaven. And I think because she knew me a little bit, just she saw what it talks about here. She saw, hey, this is coming from a good heart. It's coming from a good conscience. It's coming from a sincere faith. And I remember she just, she just said, Kenny, like, you're being too real right now. You, you really mean what you say. And uh, it was a great conversation. But that's what this is talking about. When I was sharing my faith with her and telling her that I really cared about her, it was meaningful versus meaningless. So when love comes from the right place, this is what I'm saying, and this is what the Bible teaches. When love comes from the right place inside of you, it's meaningful, right? It has integrity. Why? Because it's rooted in truth and honesty. But if it comes from the wrong place, right, from a place of untruth or lies or self-deception or dishonesty, right, the words are meaningless, right? And that's what I love about this, meaningful and meaningless. Okay, that's our third sign. Authentic love validates itself to others through truth and honesty, okay? Now let's look at the fourth and final sign. The fourth sign is authentic love elevates itself to others through eternal accountability. Um, and we look at the next verse and we see them, we see the, the, the Paul and his friends talking about, hey, listen, uh, this is what validates us. And they say this, for we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines, look at the motives of our hearts. Translation, God is my witness. Now in our home, <laughs> if, cause we joke around and we kid and uh, we deceive for fun. But if you're saying something in the luck household where you're not playing a game or you're not trying to trick somebody uh, and you're being serious, this is what you say. No, really, God is my witness. I'm not kidding around. And when you say that, it's really interesting. It's sort of like because we all believe in Jesus and because we all have this sense of our eternal accountability, um, Whatever it is that we were saying that may not have been believed before or whatever action we were taking that may not have been believed before, it's now believable. Why? Because we've just called into the mix our accountability with God. And that's what, that's what Paul is doing with these people he's trying to convince that he really cares about and he really loves. He's like, we're not messing around. God is our witness. He alone examines, right? the motives of our hearts. This is, this is not a joke, we're, we're not kidding. Um, and, and when in that time, especially, not so much today, but in that time when you say that, it like, it's like, wow, you're making yourself eternally accountable to the creator of the universe. And if you're messing with us, you're in trouble, right? But that's what Paul wanted to communicate. So we see that here right in the passage, but we also see it in other places in the Bible. Uh, we see it in 1 John chapter 4. It says this, and so we know 
and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. So if you follow the thinking in that passage, it's like, okay, so we know the love of God. We rely on the word of God. I'm sure that's you out there listening or watching. And you want to live in that love, just like it says here, whoever lives in love lives in God. You know, And that, as a consequence, means that we, when we love well, we're living in love, we're relating in love to the people in our life. If you love well, the passage says, you're going to face God with confidence because you love strong. Notice the language. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment in this world. We're like Jesus. So the context of the passage is love. The context of the passage is how love uh, makes us confident, how, how we love makes us confident when we stand before God. And then the model is Jesus. We're like Jesus. We suffer, we move with courage, we talk in truth and honesty, and we know where we're headed. And we know who we're accountable to. Jesus was all of those things to people. They couldn't see past his outsides, but there were things that he did that communicated to people that love is sincere. And that's why he had so many people following him. And that's why those who synthetically loved as God's men didn't like him because his authentic love exposed their synthetic love. Wow. So there you have it. If you want to love strong, it's got to come from the right place. God doesn't care so much. He's not looking at the what, like what you say and what you do as you tempt to love other people. He's looking at why. What's your motive? And is it genuine? Is it sincere or is it pretend, right? Is it selfish, okay? That's God's evaluation. People, because they can't see into your heart, right? But there are some things that they can see. Wow, that person would do that for me. They would pay a high price or even suffer to, to love me. Um, they would go against the opposition, some opposition, right? Some rejection, the possibility of rejection maybe, or maybe the, the, the possibility of me being cynical, right? They're unstoppable. Why? Because they have strong convictions and a strong love versus weak convictions that at the first sign of opposition, they bail. Okay, that communicates authentic love to me. Suffering, courage, right? Truth and honesty, pure heart, good conscience, sincere faith, right? They see it. It's like this is, this is coming from a place inside of them that is the genuine article. Uh, it's, it's rooted in truth and honesty. They're being honest with me. And I can see that. And then it, it has this element of they feel eternally accountable, right? They're bringing God into the mix and they're saying, 
hey, God is our witness. I love you. And um, God sees me. He sees my heart. I'm bringing him into the mix. And if I'm messing with you, I'm accountable to him. Wow. All right. That's a good authenticator of, of love. So in the end with people, write this down. My claim must reflect my conduct. If I claim to know God and I claim to love them, um, my conduct has to communicate that I really do love them. I'm willing to suffer. I'm willing to go against opposition courageously. Um, I'm, I'm honest, being honest with them about where I'm coming from. And I'm bringing God into the mix on purpose. He's, he examines why I'm doing what I'm doing. You may not believe me, but um, he sees me, and that's all that matters to me. And the fact that that's all that matters to me should matter to you. Because if I'm messing with you, if I'm doing something for a selfish reason, if my motives are wrong, I'm subjecting myself to an examination and accountability session with God himself. So those are the things that, that communicate. Now, a good way to bring our love and and our Love Strong series to a conclusion is, uh, is with a commission and a real strong charge, I think. Um, and that's what I do want to do here at the end, and then I want to close this in prayer. Um, I want us to listen to God's word. Um, these words are way more powerful than the words I've spoken today. In fact, this short little passage can change your life. It can change your relationships if you receive it as a man of God. So please listen to the word of God for you this morning or wherever you are, whatever time you're listening from 1 John chapter 4. It says this, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Now let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we know that um, you see past our outsides right to our insides. Uh, people look at our outward actions and are trying to discern our motives from our outward actions, but you actually see the motives themselves. And God, I know that every man listening to the sound of my voice, um, it's not their desire to be a fraud, especially in relationships. We want to be good at loving people. And thank you, Jesus, that you have modeled exactly how to do that, that Real, authentic love pays a price. That real, authentic love is courageous and goes against whatever opposition is there because the love is stronger. That real, authentic love is truthful and it's honest. It comes from a good place within, just like you, Jesus. And real, authentic love elevates itself to others through eternal accountability. God, that when we bring you into the mix, and we're telling others that we love them as, with God as our witness. Um, it suggests that we're not messing around. And Lord, 
in our relationships, we don't want to mess around anymore. We really want to love like Jesus. And that's really your charge to us. In this world, you say, we are like Jesus. And Jesus, you loved us perfectly in this world. You suffered, you were courageous, you were honest with us, you told us the truth, and you told us that you came from the Father and that he was with you. So Jesus, right now, I just declare and speak in your name a blessing over all my brothers. I speak the blessing of authentic, supernatural, Christ-centered, spirit-empowered love over them. God, I, 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 I declare power to love in the name of Jesus for every man, Lord. I know that for many men, there are faces that are coming to mind. There's been violation. There's been betrayal. There's, um, there's been insincere love. There's been deception. Okay? There's been weakness. And it's because we just, we, we haven't trusted you, seen you, known you, remembered you, been grateful to you for your love in our lives. So God, we're, we're closing the door on synthetic, fake love and relationships, and we want the real deal. But first, we have to be the real deal. So Lord, examine us. We open ourselves up to your examination. God, examine the personal inner reasons for why we do what we do and change them to make them holy and right and pure. Lord, help us to have spiritual integrity in our relationships. And Lord, help people to see how our willingness to pay a price, help them to see our courage, help them to see our honesty, and help us to see, help them to see how we're accountable to you. Help them to see that, that those things validate the love that we have for them. So God, um, I thank you for the series, and I just declare over all my brothers a future of loving strong till they go to be with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us for this series. If you missed any part of this series, just go back to the Everyman site on the platform and you can catch parts one through four if this was your first one. Powerful series. I want to encourage you to take men in your group through this. Now that you've gone through it with me, go through it with another men's group, okay? Because this is not an isolated thing. We have tens of thousands of guys who join this live stream by podcast and live each week and you're a part of a large community, right? A growing community of dangerous good men. So take this and bring it now to men that you know, men at your church, men in your community, right? Let's grow the movement, and we'll see you next time.